Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and the brightest in the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. Folks, I have a very unique, interesting show here So today. So if anybody's watching on the video, you're probably like, what the heck is going on there? Who is Adam's guest today? And I'm thrilled to welcome my dude legend. But let me give a little bit of a backstory here of how we met. So let's rewind that I'm recording this show on the, I think it's the 9th of November. I'm losing track of days, man. Uh, about a month ago, almost to the date, I had the, the privilege and honor to spend a weekend in Newark, New Jersey, a city that I've only passed through, whether going to the airport or going somewhere else in Jersey, but I've never really thought about Newark. I never thought about it more than just a city in New Jersey. I really didn't know much too much about it. But we spent the weekend there. We get to meet some amazing folks that live there, artists, creators, entrepreneurs, innovators. And I had a chance to meet a great one, my man legend. Quick little story how this went down. So we had an event on Saturday night, and uh, we went to this uh, after party at a co-working space. And, and, dude, I forgot the name of the co-working space over there. But I'm walking around, and I see this dude just sitting there, and he's got some cool shit on his table, some cool swag. And I'm like... What, is, what does that mean? It says, Rebels Become Legends. The second I saw that, it resonated with me immediately. I was like, damn, I got to find them more. And I just popped a squat. Legend and I just started shooting the shit. And uh, I was fascinated. I was fascinated by this man that we're about to meet today. And I'm excited to explore his story. So without further ado, Legend, welcome to the podcast, man. Adam, thank you for having me. It's a great honor. I appreciate your time. Likewise, man. And, and what I really love about doing this show is I, I, it's, it's a curation of guests. It's a collection. We were talking off air about how you collect and procure design, design in the form of art, clothing, culture. You're a creator. You're a designer. You're a poet. You're an artist. But you're also a father. And we're going to dig into all this stuff in a little bit here. So critically important before we talk about the present is to talk about the past. And I think this really sets up the story. So I am going to turn it over to you. Tell us, Legend, who you are, man, and where do you come from? Well, who I am, Adam, is I'm a guy who comes up with ideas that can shift the culture. I'm a problem solver, and I like to get to the root of the problem um, in, in, in our culture and in our life, and, but really it all starts with me. Everything that I present to the world it comes from self-actualization. So from all the stuff that I messed up, because I learned in reverse. Usually I mess it up first and say, damn, I messed that up. How do I redo it? And then I'll teach it to the next person so they don't so they don't make the same mistakes. So quick, quick history. And I don't even think we touched on this when we met. Um, I was born in California, lived there for the first four years of my life. 
My mother passed at a very, very young age for me and my sister. Uh, father wasn't involved and we had to move across the country um, to, to live with our grandparents and um, ju just the thought and, and, and how that happened, that might be a story for later, but how that happened and most people wouldn't know what to do with just without their mom, then without their dad, you know? And the whole host of things that I witnessed after that made me want to do one thing, help people. And I wanted to turn my pain into power from a very young age. I always knew that I wanted to be just like Batman and Bruce Wayne. I want to be the rich guy that, that you see that can help people with money. And then the guy who had the physical and natural power to help people who couldn't help themselves. So that so you that's manifested, you manifested, you manifested, you manifested yourself into the person that you wanted to be. But let's take it back to that. Um, I mean, I, I can't put myself in that position. Luckily for me, knock on wood, my parents are, are still alive. I, I have both of my parents. Who did you turn to legend as your moral support, your guide? Who was who was your hero growing up? Who'd you look up to? It was my grandfather, man. He's like what do you, and what do you do for a living? Natural superhero. Um he had a background in law enforcement. He's a homicide detective. Um he came up from one of the roughest cities in New Jersey, Camden, New Jersey, and moved up to um a more upper class town in northern Jersey, where he was one of the first um minority police officers um that you would find in a place like this. So that's just going from lower level city to upper class, moving your family up because he brought my grandma with him and uh, the first one or two children, maybe the first one, and, and bringing the rest of the family, his sisters and some of uh, my grandma's family up um, to live a better life, to get away from what they knew. Now, mind you, my grandfather's mother also passed at a very young age. Mm. Mind you that his birthday is the day before mine. So we're like kindred spirits in a way. Um, so I always make this joke that my mom had me for him, you know, so we could be the best of, of buddies. And he taught me so many Respect things, that. Adam, you know, things about being a stand up person, uh, speaking your mind, standing your ground, protecting people, not just as a uh, police officer and homicide detective, but also in politics and doing what's right. And, and, and he read so much. Every morning he was reading. Every morning he was reading something. And he always tried to drop knowledge. And even when I didn't understand things at five years old, 15 and 25, as I get older, those lessons just keep, they just keep hitting me. They just keep hitting me. So my grandfather, what, he was my hero. What, what was one of those earliest lessons that you remember from him? Always know where you are, right? When, when I first moved to where we lived, he would start walking me around the corner for, he would call it four square, but it was four corners just so I could get used to knowing where I am and noticing different things about my environment. And as I grew, I just naturally picked up on where I was. If I started in one place and went one direction, I knew if I went in four corners or four square, as we would call it, I knew I would end up back where I started. From there, I could figure my way back home so i always drop a pin in my mind of where my house is to where i am yeah situational awareness is so big and 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 part of my brand adam part of the brand one of the things i talk about 
is people not having situational awareness. And at some point, I'll touch on that. Like people with their heads down, walking in the dark, you have your back to open spaces. And, you know, it's just like, it's, it's crazy how people are not that aware. And just that will kill you, okay? Just that will, 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 will take so much away from you if you don't know what's going on um, in your physical life and even in business. Like how you walked into the, the, the launch pad that 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 uh, area that day. Launchpad. Yeah, and you noticed me sitting there. Most people didn't even notice. You were the first one. I was sitting there, really not moving for almost an hour and a half, just observing the room and seeing who was going in, who was coming out. I was watching the door. What, where were the entryways? Who was talking to who? Who did I already know? Who that was important? And who was talking to them? And who did they kind of submit to with body language? And who submitted to them? And I started learning the room. Just that quickly, I didn't say a word till you came and sat with me. And, you know, from my grandfather, man, th those types of lessons are just so important. They continue to grow, and I pass them down to my children as well. And it's interesting, too. I mean, I, I think, why, you know, why, why did I sit down next to you? Because uh, I, I did something similar, man. I walk into the room. Whenever I walk into a room, you need to size it up in any type of situation. When you're going into somewhere different, and we're not just talking about, you know, from, from a self-defense security perspective, but you want to see what's happening in that environment. You want to see who's talking to who, what the vibe is, and, and feeling out of room. And I think that's something that comes with, with, with experience, but it's really about being open-minded. Yeah. And, and I don't think everyone's comfortable having conversations with random people. And I don't think everyone needs to be comfortable with that. But I also think that people need to have some sort of comfort because that's what's going to protect you in life at certain times, the ability to have those conversations. And not everyone could do it. And now right. we could do it. But I also believe in switching it up a little bit. I also believe in fate. And I also believe that people are meant to get be connected for the for the yeah. right reasons, man. So let's I want to rewind. I want to I want to I want to get back into your story a little bit. Um, so what 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 was that early those early first stages of creativity, those moments of creativity where you knew you were a creator? And what did that look like? Oh, that's you remember? You remember young. when you young? Remember when you were making shit? Yeah. So I started off um as a writer. I started off um writing poetry and music as a way to express my pain. One of the, the first people that inspired me to want to have this superstar bravado that projected this positive image was Michael Jackson. He was one of the first. Okay. And then once I hit like middle school and they had poetry classes, no, it wasn't even then. Kindergarten, they asked us to write something or it might've been first grade. And I wrote my own spin on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air introduction uh, rap that Will right. Smith did, telling my story of how I came from California to uh, New Jersey and everything was included. So I knew I could do it, but I didn't start to focus on it till about middle school when I first was introduced to hip hop because I can't sing. So singing just, that's not my thing. That's not who Me I neither. am. I wish I could thing. though. I know a lot of lyrics. I wish I could sing better, though. I sing in the car, in the shower. I sing yeah, to my listen. kids. They're like, shut up, Dad. <laughs> you know, with right? all the apps that we have now, and you know, T-Pain showed us what we could do with auto-tune, so maybe you got a oh, shot yeah. at it, Adam. Um, we'll play, yeah, right? we'll play around with it. Yeah, but now, you know, when hip-hop came around, and it was uh, who did it for me, rest in peace, was DMX. Because at, at that time, I was going through a lot, and... um. I needed a place to express that and didn't didn't have the tools. I wasn't in sports. 
I wasn't in any of that, but but lyrics and just getting those thoughts out of my head, man, was a big deal. And when I started, when they would do things like the cipher at, at school and people would say, well, write your raps. And sometimes I would recite to my friends. Once I started doing that, people were like, listen, man, you're, like, you're talented. Like, you just have, you have, you have a thing. And I was, I was developed, I was developing that. I mean, it got to a point that I was so good at it and so passionate at it. That's how I used to get punished. People would take away my, my, my rap notebooks as a punishment because they couldn't find anything else. It's like, nah, it's in my head, man. I'll find a pen and paper anyway. You can't stop that shit, you know? So No, you, know, you can't. You'll just, just remember it. Let's let let's pause for a second on 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 DMX. You know when when he. I mean, I grew up. I am I'm a huge Wu Tang fan. I'm a huge old school yeah. hip hop head. But DMX. Let's go to DMX. So when when he passed away, it was it's almost been about a year. I don't know the exact date. Um, yeah. I binge. I went back to all the old school, and there oh. is such raw, raw emotion in his lyrics and his words and his delivery, and you feel it. You feel DMX. Exactly. Right. You feel his pain. You feel his. When he's proud, you feel his anger. You feel all that shit, and that's yeah. inspiring. They don't they don't make him like that now. I mean, I listen to some of the new right. stuff coming out. It's just not, you know. So you could sit there and you could be like, you know, all like reminiscent and everything, or you could just be like, all right, let's let's use that to inspire us and let's use this to be creative. So so Absolutely. let's take it to you know you know you know high school years. What was it like high school growing up in Jersey, man? What was it like for you? High school for me. So I grew up kind of middle class, right, Adam and. I would say for me, you know, I saw the upper middle class kids. I saw the lower middle class and I was somewhere in the middle. Uh, the aunt I was living with did very well. But the thing is, they didn't really believe in material. So I wasn't super popular as a kid. I was um, overweight, got teased a lot, had a fight or two because of, you know, certain situations. But I felt like I just, I didn't have my angle. You had... uh the kids that played sports, super popular. The kids, too. the thing, the, the thing, the they thing. had the thing, right? You know, they had the money, they had that edge. But the one thing I knew they didn't have on me was the raw, artistic talent and raw emotion, like you talked about with DMX. There's nothing like being four years old and 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 finding out that your mom is dead. Like like what happened with me and my sister on that day, which was a month before my birthday couple days before hers, my sister's a cancer, you know, all, and then, you know, not too long before my grandfather's birthday and my grandmother's birthday is two days after my sister. So my mom had us for, for them, I guess, and left that, that was her gift to my grandparents, I guess, in a way before she left this earth. And they, they just didn't have that, man. They just couldn't understand me. I was a weird kid. I would, you know, dress funny, listen to different stuff. I even, my sister would listen to uh, Marilyn Manson Metallica, Nine Inch Nails, and um, Nirvana growing up. And I would listen to her music before I started getting into hip-hop. So all those raw emotions from somebody like Kurt Cobain or Marilyn Manson, you know, and the DMXs and the Tupacs, that will all come out of me because I experienced it. I experienced um, abuse. I experienced uh, not knowing your parents. I experienced just not having all the things that other kids mm. had, but wish you had. And it was weird for me because I didn't grow up in the ghetto, but I could have had all the nice shoes and fancy stuff. It's just the people who were raising me weren't in tune to that. They gave me something really that was much more valuable than that. Than that, um, If you counted for now and what those kids, some of those kids who have affluenza had the cars and all that, 
they can't hold the candle to what I'm doing because they're used to somebody doing everything for them where I created yeah, you, you, everything you, you, you that you see. You gotta earn it. Yeah, I, I manifested me, it. Let me let me let me ask you about the relationship with your with with your sister. Did you feel at a very early age that you had to be her protector, that you were the only one in this world who was gonna look out for her? I'll put it like this. It kind of worked in reverse. So my sister went through a lot of stuff just in her in her own sector of our life. Um, that's probably a, a, a you know for for a later date that story. But I felt like I couldn't protect her. I wasn't brave enough, strong enough, wasn't skilled enough. Uh, she suffered some some abuse too, and I just you know and I I was one too scared because like I said I used to get uh you know abused when I was younger and then I was one I was too scared. Two, I just felt like I didn't have the skills, and that's what leads to this rebellious attitude. This, you know, if, if, if you know, part of my French, but fuck it, attitude, and I'm gonna go for it. And and the martial arts and the working out and the, you know, learning how to to protect myself and passing it on, because I just don't want to see people do, you know, have to live like that if they if they had a different choice, if they had a different option, if they had more courage, more uh, access to tools that could that that can help them, man. Because there's horrible things that go on sometimes, especially when you're a child. And um, yep. you know, so it's worse. I, I wish I could have been more of the protector for her and for myself. And this is this is part of why you you see what you see today, and the black and red, the very militant, the hard stare, the discipline to sit still and watch the room and analyze and say you guys aren't ready because you guys never even those kids from my high school never suffered what i suffered they never understand when when did you start getting into martial arts physical training when did that happen how old were you and did someone, did someone guide you in that or you kind of just jumped in well the people who are raising me the guy that was raising me um, it was my aunt and her ex-husband. He got me introduced to martial arts because he was doing it, but for stupid reasons, he would take it away. So I saw it there. Mm. I always knew I wanted to do it because I love Batman. Batman does, what, 133 different martial arts or something like that. So I knew this is a this is a must-have for me to be me, okay? But, well, Batman um, doesn't have any natural superpowers, so he had to, see, he had to learn them himself. He exactly. does not have mutant powers. Batman exactly. does not have... It's important to note about the Batman superhero. Yeah. And that, that was even more inspiring. You know, that was even more inspiring because he was just a guy. The two things he had was will and wealth. He had the will and he had the wealth to make it happen, right? So if he's just a guy that could do all that, why can't I? So I took charge of that journey uh, in my early 20s, started boxing, didn't know what the hell I was doing. And uh, the coach that saw me hitting the bag, he says, hey, man, what are you doing over there, right? I said, I'm boxing. He said, oh, that's not what it looks like to me. But if you want to learn, come back tomorrow at 6 o'clock. And that was a beautiful journey, Adam. I mean, from Sweet. the first time I sparred, this was like months later, and I got hit in the face. And it, everything goes white just for a second. And that is the point where you decide whether you like it or you don't. And I loved it. I said, okay, yeah, all right, let's keep going. You know, now it's time for me to hit this guy back. But then um, 
Not too long after that, I was going to go to the Diamond Gloves and Golden Gloves. We were going to try to go for that. And then I got injured. I hurt my leg, so I, I couldn't. As I started healing, we had a um an MMA cage installed in the gym at that time. And all the MMA guys were coming. And they said, well, hey, man, you're always watching us. You probably can't stand up, but you can start on the ground. Come learn how to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and wrestling grappling. first. Grappling. And then I got into that stuff. And, man, it was like a whole nother world. And once I could stand up again and mix in with the um the boxing, the Muay Thai, the um karate, the ninjutsu, along with the wrestling and all that, I was that was it. I was sold. Hey everybody. First I'd like to thank you all for spending time with me and my guest on the podcast. This show was my canvas to showcase amazing people from the world of recruiting, entrepreneurship and leadership and unpack their career journeys for everyone to learn from. But this show is also a business generator for me, as well as creating thought leadership and endless amazing content. And I've taken what I've learned in the past three years and over 200 recorded and 100 live shows and distilled it down into a digital playbook that I call the Pause Course. Now you could learn how I build, manage, and produce the podcast and use it to drive real business development and relationships. Today, I'm sharing all of my secrets behind the podcast, and you can get it all at thepausecourse.com. This course is for anyone, whether you're starting out or an advanced podcaster using it for B2B, a B2C, it's filled with all of my insights, learnings, tips, tricks, and templates. So get it now at thepausecourse.com and learn all my secrets. Thanks. What did, what, what, did, what did that bring out of you, right? Let's, let's talk about that, that when you're, when you're in the fight and, and it could be, you know, hopefully, hopefully not a real fight, but when you're, when you're in that ring, right? When you're training, when you're sparring in there. What comes out of you, man? What, did, what does that feel like inside? I mean, you totally focused, you zone everything out, or are you harnessing a feeling that you had when you were younger? You're harnessing a feeling you had 10 minutes ago, right? How do you get into that focused mindset? Well, what happens is, you know, everything changes when somebody's throwing punches and kicks at you. And you have to really trust your instincts, with a lot, which a lot of people don't do that. You just have to know when it's time to throw that punch when it's time to go for that takedown or apply that uh, submission move, you just have to know when to move out the way. You have to trust your training. And then you have to practice. And you it strips you, Adam. You have to say, I got hit with this because I didn't train with that. I didn't mm. practice this enough. And you're constantly looking at how you gain the edge over the other guy. Even though we all you know, loved each other. Right. And have respect for each other. I'm not the tallest in stature. OK. And I was spar with guys like six feet, you know, or a little bit under. But like I said, I'm not that tall. So I had to figure out how do I get better in every way that turns my handicap into the advantage. Right. Mm. And so outside of the ring, I had to train on all these things, better movement, better stretching, better striking, stronger striking, watching video under just Stripping yourself down and look, not beating yourself up, not having that ego of, hey, man, I suck or look, I don't suck and just being too inflated with your ego. That's how most fighters lose. And so right. you how, defeat yourself how, before you even get in the ring. Exactly. And we had those guys in the gym, right? That just had too much confidence. This guy's just doing too much. You know, you just dodge a little punch, you hit him, boom. And now his ego's bruised. So he overdoes it and just. You're just calm because you know the mistakes that he's going to make already. Right. You know, or, but then if you had the guy that was 
too scared, wasn't trying enough, you say, nah, come on, man, like, like try this technique, see what you can do. So you, you would, you would educate people on both ends. So it, there's so much that you get from that. I, that's why I highly suggest it for everybody. You should definitely train in something because there's nobody there to save you. Once they would lock the cage, they put a, a lock on it and you stayed that's in it. there till it's time to come out. And it was just you and you had to strip yourself of your ego and everything. You had to just trust yourself and your training. You know? So And now and now and and now and now you're training others, right? Yes. Yes. I train a, a couple kids and my kids as well. How young how young were your kids when you started to train them? Uh the youngest, she's nine. So I'd say nine is the youngest I started um training for real, really taking this serious because I know that she can understand the certain moves when they're just babies. They don't really know what's going on. They're just right. hitting. And it's, it's okay to start that young, like five years old because they have the motor skills and they'll get used to, this is just a thing we do and you sharpen them as they get older. But nine, I would say is the youngest. Interesting too. And, and are they, are they, are your kids receptive to it? Are they embracing it the way you did? Are they, are they hesitant? I mean, you're teaching them the the mindset behind it, right? Like this is yeah. for defense. This is to only be used to protect you or the ones around you that you love. Yes, right. Because a lot of kids, a lot of kids. I mean, I've seen it with like you know friends and and other kids that I know. They go to they go to like you know Tiger Shulman's or something. Next thing I know, they're at a party practicing a move on one of their friends. You're like, that's not what this is, man. Right, right. Well, that happens. I was I was guilty of that um, <laughs> at at a very early age. At you know. Not really hurting anybody, but playing around with it at the park, and I got in trouble uh, for that one yeah. time. So that 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 one was on me. I'll take accountability for that time I got in trouble, and uh, those those um, opportunities were taken from me. But with the kids I teach now, yeah, they they understand what this is all about. They're very receptive to it, and I gotta say, I'm really proud of their progress. We were training just yesterday. And they're they're getting the movements now. We're 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 just sharpening, and sharpening and sharpening. Iron sharpens iron, right? Exactly. And the wonderful thing about being Big a teacher is, um, you, you have to you have to be better than the student. So as they're getting better, I got to get better. Otherwise, they're gonna be like, "What do we need you for?" You know. So, but they're <laughs> they're they're doing really good. They're um high school age. The ones besides my own, and. They, they they soak up so many lessons. We started talking about business yesterday, um, because they were talking about how old do you have to how old were you when you got your first job? I said, Not really till my twenties, but you can start a business and, and you don't have to worry about getting a job and we you know, we started going through those motions, right? So martial arts is really life lessons. Inquisitive. They're inquisitive. But what happens in the dojo, what happened in the in the boxing gym, some of the best lessons weren't even with the gloves on. It was just having conversations with our coaches just about life, you know, mindset, and, and man. things they would Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, it's I mean, my, my, mindset's shows. everything. So let's so let's shift into it. Let's let's talk business here for a little bit. Okay. Tell us tell us the origin story. Let's keep this superhero theme going, right? You know, I yeah. I love a good origin story. Yes, yeah, sir. Talk to us how RBL Rebels Become Legends was born. So, when um. I used to write music and when certain things happened, when like things like Trayvon Martin happened, a lot of police killings, a lot of what we would say is injustice, feel is injustice. I started writing music and going around the circuit and performing. And I formed uh, this little symbol, the one right here that you see. 
that became yeah. um, very, very popular and people wanted to buy the merch as I was performing. But I was like, all right, I'll get it to you. But I was just mostly focused on the music and didn't really have a plan for for distribution of that logo and what I would want. It wasn't the, the first thing in my mind because the music was doing really well. What I thought was doing really well, I wanted to focus on that. So you fast forward a couple years, um, I'd say last year, maybe a year and a half ago, I was working someplace. This was when George Floyd happened. Now, mind you, I would I love to protest. I would be out marching and doing all these things uh, in the street with other organizations and trying to figure out how to bring things together to really have an impactful change, not just a lot of talking, because I'm not the, I'm not the talking guy. I will have a conversation with you, but you will also see things manifest. You will see that I'm active. Just this morning from before we started this to I woke up at 530 this morning. I've done about 30 things. You wouldn't even believe it. Right. So efficiency. I needed we needed efficiency in what it is that we're doing. So. The George Floyd thing happened. I've been on the circuit for some years and realized most people are just talking. What I usually do, Adam, is I tap into the root of problems. I'm a problem solver. So I'm going to tap into the root of the problem. Why is this happening and what's the core issue? Let me work on that. If I work on this seed, I'll change the tree. That's how I think. Okay. Amen. So George Floyd happened. Everybody's upset. A couple people called me. You're seeing all the marches and they're painting the street and they're doing all this. I'm like, okay, that's cool. But what what do we really need? Is it just one group of people versus the other group of people? What if the group of people that's feeling the most oppressed, right, actually changes something about themselves so they get less oppressed? Because a lot of things, you know, if you point your finger this way, four fingers are pointing back at you, right? So you've got you've to gotta self-examine. You've got to self-examine. And me getting better myself came from me not blaming others, but me taking the initiative, working out, getting up early, doing all that stuff. So I figured... How do I had to figure out how do I get all the concepts of everything I know about business, relationships, family, health, wealth, discipline, and package it up to where I could deliver it in one shot and one dose. And I said, what do people like the most? What do they pay the most attention to? Fashion, food, music, movies, entertainment, whatever's flashy, they pay attention to it. So I said... Okay, the idea that I had before, people wanted to buy it, now I'm going to sell it to them. My name is Legend, though, and I figured, you know, I can't just put Legend on myself and say I'm the only Legend because there's only other people who consider, consider themselves Legends course, and have man. adopted the name. So I said, how do I share the name then? Instead of being selfish with it, I'm going to give it out as much as possible. I, I, so like, I, where said, you go, I like where you're going here. Yeah, and I said... What about this? Because I'm so rebellious for the right reasons. I'm so rebellious. But if you're a rebel, you become a legend. If you think about it, let's go back to Jesus. He was a rebel. He went against the status quo. He became a legend. He died and became a legend. You look at Mahatma Gandhi. He's a legend. Mm -hmm. Look at Mother Teresa. She's a legend. You look at Martin Luther King, a legend. Bruce Lee, a legend. You look at um, Malcolm X, a legend. You look at... um, John F. Kennedy, a legend. You look at um, Fidel Castro, legends. All these people 
who rebelled against the status quo, they made big change because they rebelled. And because they rebelled, they became legends. Now that statement, it says a lot, but what I'm trying to get at is this. If you rebel against your own nature first, you start with yourself, then you rebel against the nature of your family and its upbringing, you rebel against the nature of your culture and your community, you can change the world. That is the Powerful, statement man. I'm trying to make. And if we all connect under this culture to do that, if we rebel against eating junky food and we rebel against not working out and we rebel against, hey man, you know, I'm just going to break up uh, with my wife just because I want to, not sticking to the mission and what's the plan? If we rebel mm -hmm. against, you know, drinking too much and, and abusing other people, if we rebel against, you know, just rape, just, just going with whatever we learn in school and all these things, we rebel against being lazy, you know, we'll, we could shift. Take a everything stand. Take a stand. Yeah, man. Yeah, everything changes. Everything changes once you start rebelling against what you know is not helping you. But let's hit the rewind button for a second because you hit a word that I've been talking about for a long time, which is accountability. Because that's what everything starts with, man. It starts with accountability. Once you stop blaming others, once you stop making excuses, once you say, listen, I am taking ownership for my losses. I'm not yep. blaming it on somebody else. I lost this job because I fucked up. I lost this relationship because I did stupid shit. Yep. I lost this opportunity because I did not do the right things to put myself in a position to take advantage of it. Then... You could start to have that radical self-awareness and make real changes in your life. But it Absolutely. starts with accountability. Why do you think why do you think so? And, and I don't I'm not even gonna say it's just a cultural thing. I think it happens at all ages, and I see this day in and day out from my position working as a recruiter. People do not take accountability. Why, no. in your opinion, from your vantage point, legend, why why do people have such a hard time taking accountability in life? Are they scared? Do they don't want to face the truth? You know, I came up with this concept about the ego, right? And um, so let's say you're in a classroom. We've all been in school before. And you get the one kid who's braggadocious, always loud, pushing and shoving, thinks right. he's uh, uh, the shit, the super shit, right? Right. And we're taught very early on that that person has a huge ego, okay? But then I said, wait, but there's, there's a, you know, you look up the definition ego, it tells you what it means. You, there's the other person who has a huge ego, the kid who is scared to raise his hand because if he gets the wrong answer, he's going to feel mm -hmm. stupid. That's also somebody with the ego. The guy who, you know, the kid who won't, you know, speak to others because he's scared of how they're going to judge him or whatever. That's also ego. Both sides, two ends of the spectrum, both very toxic. And so of course. not taking accountability uh, is rampant in people because their egos are just, they're just, you know, they, they have sensitive egos, man. If, if I man. admit to being wrong, then I must be a bad person and somebody's going to throw me out, which is bullshit. Like, that's not true. Yeah. And I had to learn it first, Adam. Okay. I did. Well, you have um, to, before you can preach it to anybody, you can't, you have to set an example. Exactly. I had to, um, I was in therapy for like five years. You know, I, 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 I've been in therapy for five years. Let me put it like that. Um, and it, it just taught me to self-reflect and just take accountability of my mess ups that, that, okay, mm. I don't have to be perfect. I can be messed up. If I break something, I don't have to fix it. It's just broken, but I just have to say, all right, shit, I broke it. Damn. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, um, a you lot of people don't get man. that. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's, easy, it's, it's, easy, it's easier. It's it's easier said than done. And, and and once you do that, everything else opens up. And and, and you talk about right. another big point that you speak about, which is self reliance. And we're not just talking about yeah. physical self reliance. You and we're talking about you know emotional self reliance, yeah. financial self reliance. And this is a big thing that you preach, man. Tell us a little bit about your philosophy here. So self reliance, and you touched on all the points, but the main thing is the main thing is this: you have to be able to do the most with the least. So if you woke up today with just yourself, the, the average person right now has a couple of the same things. They've got a cell phone, they've got 24 hours, even if they don't got all 10 fingers, right? They, you can make something happen with just a cell phone, Instagram, a little bit of Wi-Fi, a good location. You could, you could do something, man. You could, you could, change the world just having a conversation like we're having right. right now but you have to you have to be self-reliant you cannot rely on getting gratitude from other people because they may not give it to you right emotional self-reliance you've got to you've got to pump up your own balloon you've got to pump up your own balloon right um <laughs> financial self-reliance something i learned i had some mentors uh that teach that teach about this if you don't save money, money's not going to save you. You can't. And in and, and America, the welfare system for some people, some cultures has taught you that if you just if you make enough noise, they'll just give you something. That ain't real life, man. When you start working, when you're down and out and I've been homeless before, by the way, I had to live in the back of my car. Right. You've got to make the most out of everything, okay? You nobody's gonna give you anything. Nobody's coming to save you. You better save as much as you can for the future, or else you're gonna be messed up, okay? But you Truth. gotta know it's if it's to be, if it's if it's going to be, it's up to me, right? So everything is on you. You've got to make the most of everything. Um, even in, in self defense teaches you that. Look. If I'm in a room with 10 people, they all decide to turn around and fight me, I I better know what I'm doing. There's security guards that I've seen at some of my jobs don't even do push-ups. They don't do squats. They look out of shape. I'm like, damn, man, I should have my job and your job because if somebody decided to act up, you wouldn't be able to do any stuff. <laughs> they don't do squats. They look out of shape. I'm like, damn, man, yeah. I should have my job and your job because <laughs> if somebody decided to act up, you wouldn't be able to do anything. Dude, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and 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 that's why, you know, it's one of those things where at first when I saw your logo and those words, it resonated with me. I, I knew that I had an idea of what it meant, but I really didn't know until I sat down and I, and, I, and I talked to you. And I love what you're doing with this. I love what you preach. I love that you're teaching and you're putting good energy out into the world, man. So talk to us. What's what's the future of the brand? What's the future of it? It's not just clothing, man. The clothing's dope. You know, the logo's cool. You know, you got a solid message behind it. But what's what's the future, man? And I'm not going to ask. I hate asking, like, you know, what's a five-year plan? What's a 10-year plan? But what's in the cards here, man? What's in the cards, legend? For somebody to go, aha, and to stop, like you stopped when we were uh, when we met in Newark, and to say, what, what is this? And to start a conversation that if it doesn't change everything about him, it changes one thing and has a snowball effect. I want to see people do better. I want to see people be empowered. I want people to be the best version of themselves, have better relationships with themselves, with their families, with money, with the community, with the government, 
with everything in the future. I just want to see the change. It's not going to end with me. I already know this is going to outlive me. So it ain't, it's not going to stop. It's going to cut out. RBL is going to cut out its own piece of the world. That's the way to that's the way to do it, man. So listen, let's bring let's bring it home here, man. You think about your life. You think about the hard times, right? You think about the struggle. You think about when you're homeless, the times when 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 you lost your parents, and you had to dig down deep inside, man. And you had to harness that tenacity. You had to harness it, and lift yourself up, and lift yourself up. And now you look now with gratitude, right? Right. And now you look with gratitude, man, and you're showing appreciation and thankful for everything that you have around you. Rebel, what is your focus in life? Legend, what is your North Star? My North Star, the thing that gets me up every day is to just keep fighting, man. Keep fighting and be a shining light to others, whether that's family, friends or the community, just to see one person, two people change their lives for the better. That's it. Powerful, man. Dude, my man legend, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Where could folks learn more? Where could they connect with you? They could connect with me on Instagram at RBL underscore culture. That's RBL, like Rebels Become Legends, underscore culture. Awesome, man. And I'll be sure to link everyone up in the comments here. Legend, man, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Excited to stay connected, follow you. Watch your journey, man, and keep inspiring others. I want to thank you so much. And everyone out there, hope you uh, follow his journey here. Remember, take care of each other. Look out for one another and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Take care, everybody. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Pausecast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com.